So back in the day, a comic named Nick Bakai used to do a feature on ESPN called Tale of the Tape, and he'd take a sports topic and he'd break down both sides of it. We're going to do it a little differently today. We're actually going to do a three-way version of the Tale of the Tape with this latest situation from last week between the Astros and the Dodgers involving Joe Kelly. I bought in three sources. I bought in a Dodger guy, Owen Main, who runs the fans fansmanship website and the fansmanship podcast Raheel Ramzanali from sports radio in Houston formerly of ESPN 95.7 but now he's doing his own thing and he's doing a little bit of TV as well one of the best guys out there in the business and then I bring in the objective the third party guy uh, Dan Pellegrino Pellegrino former professional baseball player currently is coaching travel ball in San Diego he is a Padre fan so hopefully he can bring some reasonable assessment to this situation being that he's not involved on either the Dodgers side or the Astros side with regard to the Astros cheating and Joe Kelly throwing at people and he coaches baseball and he's played baseball in fact Dan caught Joe Kelly when they were both at UC Riverside back in 2009 so this is a action-packed double album podcast Coming up, thanks to Owen Main, thanks to Raheel Ramzanali, and thanks to Dan Pellegrino for your enjoyment. Joined now by Owen Main of fans, Fansmanship. We'll try to make a little sense of this Astros-Dodgers situation. So you're coming from the Dodgers' perspective, Owen. <laughs> Take me through what your feelings were on the incident Monday night. Oh, my gosh. Um a lot of feelings leading up to it, right? Like, I, I mean, it's 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 less about Monday night and more about the last what has it been three years yeah. <laughs> of baseball and how and how people have felt about Major League Baseball. I know more than any other time in my maybe my adult life or maybe my life, maybe the last time I felt like that down about something was when uh, Princeton beat UCLA a year or two after UCLA oh, won right. the national title. Ninety six, um, yeah, ninety six, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was a big I was a big Bruins fan. Um, you know, when in middle school and I, you know, I was, I was devastated when Princeton beat them. Um, so, you know, I think it's probably uh, up there with me, you know, for, for me with that, when, when the Dodgers lost to the Astros, of course, the, the famous couple games there, including the one that went back and forth. And um, it seemed like nobody could get anybody out on either team um, for a little while there. And so, you know, I think I've, I've, I've been kind of like, um, I don't want to say down on baseball, but I've, it's definitely affected the way I look at the game <laughs> since then mm -hmm. as, you know, somebody who's really, you know, just been a, a diehard Dodger fan the whole time. And I was, you know, it was one of those games in those series, the Astros World Series, where you say, maybe it's just not going to happen. And then they get there the next year. And I think um, many, many people, and I know I was just basically, uh, you know, numb from the experience for the Red Sox World Series that the Red Sox won. And so you start to say, okay, well, maybe, you know, maybe it's just not ever going to happen. And, and, and it's kind of one of those bitter, bitter pills to swallow, but you go, okay, you know, whatever, maybe it's not going to happen. And then you find out that actually the Astros were cheating and maybe the Red Sox were too. Um, and, and, you know, you go forward from there and say, okay, well, I guess, you know, um, maybe the Astros will get punished and they never did. And I think when it comes down to Monday night, the kind of uh, 
the wave that had been slowly building since 2017, I guess it was, um, you know, and, and, and there hadn't been any whatever from the commissioner's office, the commissioner's office, you know, hadn't done anything about it. Nobody on the Astros had been penalized, only the uh, players and coaches, or excuse me, only the coaches and, and ownership, I think, you know, had, had been penalized leading up to it. And so when you get down to it, uh, the players had not been penalized and still haven't been penalized, but um, Joe Kelly got penalized for, uh, you know, for, for not really hitting anybody, for throwing behind somebody. But, you know, when it comes to LA fans, I really think, you know, this is exactly what, what they wanted and what they needed. And I think there's a lot of Dodger fans who are kind of reinvigorated by this, that, you know, after all this buildup, something actually happened. And it was one of the more satisfying ways for it to happen is all. Cause like, <laughs> you know, these guys came in and we knew somebody was maybe going to get thrown out, but to a not hit actually hit anybody to B not have any of those guys who were in the center of it, essentially get a hit in the two game series. And then C, you know, for Joe Kelly to make the faces as he walks off and, um, and really just kind of embarrass the Astros as he did, um, you know, is, is definitely a, uh, I don't know. It was pretty satisfying as a Dodger fan. I, I got to admit, you know, yeah. Dodger fans are obviously particularly aggrieved at this, even because obviously it was two world series, right? It was the 17 against, uh, Houston and then 18 against Boston. Cora was and on both staffs, you know, right? Yeah. 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 Cora who lost his job and, you know, Carlos Beltran and then, uh, uh, AJ Hinch, they all lost their jobs as of it. And I think part of the frustration is that none of the players were punished. Sure. But you have to think that obviously it wasn't just the Astros. I, and that's something I discussed with some some other folks today was that part of the reason nobody, you know, the, the union and, the, and Major League Baseball worked it out that, hey, we're going to get everybody to tell you what happened. But then you got to kind of we got to kind of just move on. And it was actually not Major League Baseball. It was the teams, you know, the Mets and the Red Sox and the Astros voluntarily got rid of those managers who were involved in the scandal. And who knows if they'll ever manage again. And I think they will eventually you know, Absolutely come through. Absolutely they will. Absolutely uh, they will. Yeah. yeah. The, cool, the cool thing for me, you know, I was thinking about it is that, you know, Dusty Baker got the Astros job. So, you know, I asked, I said, hey, you know. Can we be mad at the Astros, but can I still root for Dusty Baker? Because Dusty's a pretty good guy. He's an old Dodger as well. He's an old Dodger and an old Giant, and uh, you know, in, in my lifetime, you know, or in my in my conscious lifetime, you know, he's yeah. just been a Giant basically. For right. Me. So, um, you know, I I know that you know there's there's a Dodgers history there in terms of a player, but you know, as a manager, certainly uh, managing the Dodgers, excuse me, managing the 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 Giants among other teams, um, you know, I've I've seen him in 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 that direction, and when you really think about you know the Astros at large, you know, I think the most frustrating thing is the kind of um, entitlement that you see coming from Correa, especially, but also Bregman and some of the things that they've said since then, because, you know, you, 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 you mentioned that everybody kind of came forward and told us what happened, but those guys didn't fully acknowledge what happened um, because they have no culpability and no reason to acknowledge what happened. And until they have a incentive to acknowledge what happened, then they won't. That's how, that's how these guys work. Right. And yeah, it might've been happening in other places, but I know it was happening with the Astros and I know it was happening against the Dodgers. And so um, that's all I have to go by. And that's all you have to tell me as a Dodger fan, who's, who's uh, who, who remembers, you know, I was, I was seven years old, but I remember the 88 world series and, right. and now I'm 39. And so it's been a while. Um, what do you say? Carlos Correa's comments about, Hey, you know, we won game seven at Dodger Stadium. 
there wasn't any, you know, we didn't have any of the video then. We still won game seven. That's great. Baseball is, I mean, there's a reason why there's a seven games in the series, right? Um, and every little edge you get in a seven game series matters. And, uh, you know, I don't know. I mean, if, if he wants to split hairs about, you know, the, the quality or the amount of cheating that he was doing, then that's one thing. Right. Um, and, and, uh, and we can talk all day about that part of it. To me, it's, it's a fairly simple, you know, um, it's a fairly simple equation, you know, cheating or not. And, um, and if, you know, if you only cheated in three games, maybe that's okay. Is that, is that the implication there? I don't know. Uh, um, I mean, they, they, you know, listen, the, 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 the Astros, they could have taken the high road and they did not. You're correct there. Uh, they, to a man almost, there are a couple of guys who didn't, you know, who were, who were a little different, but they basically said, hey, we would have won anyway. It didn't matter. You know, yeah, right. we got the signs, but we wouldn't win right. anyway. Which is the frustrating response. If they said, you know what, like, yeah, it happened. We're sorry for it. Um, we felt like we were really good anyway. You know, it happened. We're sorry for it. Like, stop there, right? We yeah. would have won anyway. We, you know, whatever, and it and it enables not just them but their fans, really vitriolic fans on on Twitter and other places that you saw this weekend even um, on some feeds of some Dodger reporters like you know Dylan Hernandez and others. Um, uh, I'm trying to think. There's a couple on Dodger Dodger Twitter is is a buzz uh, this past week, and so you know you can see some responses there too that are um, that are fairly you know what you would expect from. Um, from from responses like that, yeah, I mean, maybe they would have. I don't know. No, we'll, we'll never know, will we? I mean, that's part yeah, of the it, that's it, part it, of the sad part. You know, and to me, that that's the problem is that you know, listen, hey, they did, they 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 got caught, they were right. warned, and they continued to do it. Both that, that and that was the thing with the Red Sox too is the Major League Baseball knew what was going on. They said, listen, cease and desist, and these teams didn't right. cease and desist, and that's part of the problem. That's the arrogance that you're talking about there uh, the arrogance, with yeah. with with teams. Yeah, yeah, totally, um, totally, yeah. You know, my my issue would be, I don't know. You know, we unfortunately there's no way to prove that they would have lost otherwise, and there's all kinds of other scenarios, right? Maybe they would have lost to Cleveland. Maybe they would have lost to the Yankees. You know, I mean, I'm a Yankees fan. You know, it's interesting because right. when when this blew up, Yankee Nation didn't want to talk much about it because I think we understood that we, that, you know, the Yankees probably did the same thing. You know, mm-hmm. so you don't want to be too loud about it. <laughs> I mean, they brought Beltron over yeah. from the Astros, and, and you know, and Beltron and knew how, how to work that. Yeah. yeah, and maybe the Dodgers did the same thing too. Like, it's there's just not evidence of that. Um, and well, yeah, I and, all- listen, and I, I understand the difference is the Dodgers run the World Series. That's right. the difference, you know. Right. Uh, right. And uh, and I have all kinds because I have all kinds of conspiracy theories about Major League Baseball, what goes on behind the scenes. I mean, you know, in terms of how clubs informally punish one another or how the how the commissioner's office you know uh under the you know (laughs) under the guise of whatever you know will will um will punish certain players and teams for you know certain things without actually coming forward and saying it you know Mm -hmm. i think there's a lot of interesting things with the dodgers and their um however they handled bringing over yasiel puig and some other minor league stuff and kind of leveraging their financial advantage um early on in the uh, in the current ownership group, and um, you know, connecting that with like you know their inability to sign their inability to sign free agents recently, and and I feel like you know um, 
I mean, I, like I said, I, I have I have lots of interesting conspiracy theories in terms of the, you know, somebody saying, well, you know what, just don't sign any big free agents for a while. Um, maybe there's, you know, a specific talk about that. Maybe there isn't. Uh, and maybe they're off the hook now because they finally got Mookie Betts. But um, but to the, the fact that they haven't been large players and other free agents and, you know, it kind of coming off as, oh, yeah, this is just a baseball move. Didn't ever make sense to me for the past five years either um, when it came What's to large Something specific. Who's specific name? Oh, I don't. I mean, who who have they? Who who has been out there the last five years? I don't know anybody who's been out there who seems like they might have been a good fit. But is there um, one player that is there one player no, that made you no, think? No, uh, no, no. Okay. I think I think just generally across the board, you just haven't heard the Dodgers as being, you know, a a, a finalist for for any you know big name free agent really in the last you know four or five years really when it comes down to it. And and maybe you can point to a pitcher here and there who is a, you know, mid-level pitcher who they paid a one-year contract to. But, um, but by and large, you know, when, when you look at that anyway, so like the, maybe this is my crazy conspiracy theory here too, but um, I think there's interesting things that probably happen in baseball that we'll never know about. Um, and maybe, I feel like, maybe, I feel like the, maybe the, lots I feel... of teams were getting dinged for this and maybe that's why the Astros didn't get dinged more than they did. And maybe that's what Correa is talking about when he says, you know, unless you know what's going on, then, then be quiet or however he put that. I feel like Nick Nolte and blue chips. When the guy tells him, when the booster tells him that he's got Tony, you know, and I'm going to go back and I'm going to watch all those games to find out what's going on. Um, yeah. Uh, what? So let's get to Joseph Kelly. You see our guy. Um, and so Kelly, he just has, go. He, he has it. Yeah. He has a tendency to wade into these things. Now it's interesting because he was part of that 2018, Red you know, Sox. world series champion Red Sox team that might've been doing some hanky panky as well, but you know, he's going to play it on. I'll have Dan Pellegrino later and learn to talk. And he'd mentioned that, you know, Joe, in addition to being a really good pitcher is a really, you know, fierce competitor and he's always going to be there for his team. And we, we saw that uh, the other night, um, how now? How, what's your perspective on throwing at guys in baseball? Because outside, I've yeah. changed. You know, being a kid and Billy Martin being the Yankee manager, I kind of viewed things one way. And mm-hmm. then you know, Joe Torre comes along, and he won't throw at guys. You know, the the Yankee yeah. fan base was vehement that you got to throw at Mandy, you got to throw it at, at Ortiz. He wasn't going to do it, right. and he didn't do it. And the, the, right. that whole thing changed with it. Um, obviously. Uh, you know, Joe Kelly went high and tight to a couple of the Astros and that's kind of, you know, uh, to me, the more fun thing was him kind of, you know, taunting them going off the mound, which I thought was hilarious. The little face he made at uh, yeah. Correa. Um, yeah. Give me your thoughts and on that. He gave himself plausible deniability on everything but that ball behind Bregman's head. Right. Um, he gave himself plausible deniability on the, um, you know, on the on the curveball the slider or whatever it was, the breaking pitch that, yeah. uh, that got, that got close to, uh, to Correa. Um, and then, you know, like you said, proceeded to strike him out. I think, you know, he's like the perfect guy because of how wild he's been. I, I thought of the, uh, the John Cruck all-star game with Randy Johnson. Yeah. That ball went behind Bregman's head. I mean, you know, maybe he's good enough to be able to just toss it, you know, kind of just close enough to his head, but not actually at his head. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it, it could have been a, a, a shot fired, you know, in front of the bow there. If, if, if you're thinking of it that way, like, I'm not actually going to hit you with this, but you need to be a little bit afraid that I, that I might, um, or maybe he's just wild enough to actually miss the guy when he's trying to throw at him. I don't know. Um, but you know, I, I agree with you. You know, there are, there are parts of me, the adult parts of me, the less competitive parts of me, the reasonable <laughs> parts of my brain that say that, you know, it's, it's not cool to throw at anybody ever, especially above the bell, 
so on and so forth, you know, um, or, you know, above the, above, above the letters for sure. Um, and then there's the part of me that says like, um, in a sport like this, like what did they think was going to happen when they didn't, when they didn't monitor it and resolve it themselves. If, if those guys had been reprimanded, if those guys had been suspended, if there had been some kind of a player punishment, then that's what it was going to be. And it was supposed to be the fans and the Astros really got off easy with, um, I think, you know, trash can bangs and visiting parks and all kinds of things that would have been really interesting to kind of keep track of, um, in terms of fans, you know, yelling at them all year, um, you know, calling them cheaters, everything else, you know, they really kind of got off light with no fans in the stands. Um, but, but in terms of like on the field, you know, stuff, um, there's a code in baseball, you know, there's a way that people act and there's a way that people don't act. And obviously there's enough baseball players in the major leagues on a team who think that, um, that that code got violated enough where some, some things have to, you know, come to call here for, for these guys. And these guys haven't, haven't kind of eaten enough crow apparently, you know, to satisfy at least players on the Dodgers. And like you said, Joe Kelly wasn't even on the Dodgers then, but he certainly is now and, um, and took care of business in terms of that regard and thankfully didn't hurt anybody. And also, you know, I think, you know, when, again, it's a satisfying thing for fans when they can see that. And there's probably a lot more eyes on the Dodgers this week than there would have been um, from fans who were either disillusioned by the whole cheating thing or hadn't really um, caught up with the fact that we're actually uh, playing games now. So it's the old Tony Soprano argument, right? Soldiers, so, you know, they know the rules when they get involved with this. And so right. that, that's how it works. Um, right. I love, by the way, I love when he struck out. Uh, when he struck out Correa and chirped at him a little bit. See, that, that that's fine. Because people were, you know, when, when the season started, this before, obviously, the COVID-19, there were all yeah. these theories about what they, should do the, what they should do to the to the Astros. And my thought was, okay, like, if you want to go steal a base when it's 7-1, to one, great. If you want to pimp the bat flip a little bit extra against them, that, that, that to me, falls within the realm of, of, of what needs to be done. To me, if you want to punish the, the, the Astros – the way to punish them is to get them 70 wins because right. my, my fear is what happens. Okay. These things are all taken away. If they come back and win again, then yeah. they can just say, well, Hey, we would have just won anyway, but it is fun. You know, I was talking to, to one of the Houston radio guys and he said, Hey, Joe Kelly was great. Cause he had Houston talk radio popping for, you know, for 48 hours, 100%, you know, so it was 100%. giving us everything with the Astros, get a little juice with the Astros uh, and the Dodgers again. Yeah, absolutely. And um, again, there's juice in baseball now again, too, right? Like, when is baseball ever at the forefront of anything? And so, um, you know, whether it's through their mismanagement or however it got there, you know, we I guess baseball's on the front page of things now and, and it has eyeballs on it. And I know I certainly have been following the Dodgers this week more than I probably would have been had uh, had that had they not been playing the Astros and had not, you know, that that not been the case there in Arizona tonight but yeah um you know I, I have i have the thing up here right i'm, I'm yeah. kind of keeping track of the score um and i don't know that i would have been kind of as engaged as as i have been um if if they hadn't played the astros this early you know you, you also think major league baseball didn't think about that uh they they definitely thought about that when they're talking I mean, about uh, this short I, schedule. I, I plead guilty as well i mean maybe a week or so before everything started there was still confusion are they going to do it they're not going to do it i'm like you know what i don't you know i've been a bit of baseball fan since eight years old yeah, and, there's and still I, confusion. <laughs> there's still, yeah, we, we did little did we know. And I was, I, but I told myself, you know, is it really that important with everything that's going on? Is really, am I really going to be into it? And sure enough, as soon as the, you know, they started putting on real games, the those first couple exhibition games, there I was wow. in front of the TV watching Yankees Mets. Um, 
quick, real quick, couple things for you. Yeah. National League fan, you're a Dodgers fan. Sure. Uh, how do you feel about the DH? I think it's fun. I think, you know, especially for the Dodgers, they're deep enough where they always have a guy who can actually be a legit guy in their lineup. You know, I think a lot of teams struggle to get eight, um, you know, major league hitters in the lineup and, you know, to have to put another guy in the lineup who's not a major league hitter, maybe it gets him some reps, but maybe it doesn't make as big of a difference. You know, the Dodgers on any given day, you know, are sitting guys who are, um, you know, who are, who are able to, <laughs> who are able to contribute, whether it's, you know, Enrique Hernandez or Chris Taylor or, Justin Turner giving him some nights off of a, you know, that, that third, that third base and, you know, kind of let, letting his legs rest in this kind of intense, uh, you know, shortened season. I think it's a, it's a big deal. And uh, yeah, so I, I think it's, um I think it's interesting. You know, I am a kind of guy who likes to see like uh, pitchers who hit, you know, growing up in the Dodgers in the eighties, you know, I think Hershiser, Fernando, all those guys could handle a bat, you know, in terms of being athletic guys. Um, but you know, when you see, you know, uh, Zach Grinky even, right. He can handle a bat. And I really enjoyed seeing him when he was on the Dodgers, but then you kind of go and you see, uh, like Rich Hill try to hit and you go, Oh yeah. Okay. I kind of get this now, like where we don't need it. And, um, and would I love it more if, if pitchers kind of figured out how to hit and, you know, the Madison Bumgarners of the world, you know, actually made a difference. Cause he, he makes a difference when he's in the lineup, he makes the lineup, not as bad as, the other teams line up potentially, you know, he's, he's almost always better than the other number nine hitter. Um, but having a DH is fine and fun and probably you're going to see more runs. You'll probably see faster games maybe. Um, although not that much faster. Um, uh, you know, you'll, there, there are benefits. I'm, 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 I'm enjoying it right now as kind of a experiment. And I think in the next five years or so it's, it's going to happen in the major league baseball. Expanded playoff format. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> I mean, I don't know. So, so as a Dodger fan, again, like, I guess I view everything through those, through that lens right now. Um, still, even though I try to be impartial more and more as I get older, but, um, you know, as a Dodger fan, you say, okay, well, you know, I think all three of the giants world series, they didn't win their division. Like, um, you know, it would have been cool if they didn't even go to the playoffs those years. I wouldn't have minded that. Um, <laughs> as a, as a fan of a team who's at the top of the food chain money wise, um, and who can afford to figure out ways to be at the top of the food chain most of the time. Um, you know, the expectations are high and, and sneaking in, you know, is fine, I guess. Um, I, but I, but I don't really have like the excitement that maybe a Cincinnati Reds fan has or a, you know, Rockies fan or somebody or Padres fan, right? Yeah. Like if you're a Padres fan right now, you go, Oh man, we could totally sneak into this and we could do some damage. And, you know, I lived in San Diego for a while and that city is probably kind of excited about the Padres right now. I mean, they have a lot of good young players and young talent. And that's an example of a team that, you know, will and could and will probably benefit from uh, the expanded format um, potentially. Right. Um, you know, especially in a shortened season, they could get hot for a minute and all of a sudden there they are, even though, you know, nobody thought they would be at the beginning of the year. So I'm sure it makes the the season more, you know, more uh, exciting for a lot of teams. But um, you know, when you're a fan of a team, again, kind of looking at it through the fan perspective, I guess, when you're a fan of a team and you're like you talked about being a Yankees fan growing up, um, you know, when you're a fan of a team that should be at the top of the food chain a lot of the time, at least in terms of the opportunities they give themselves, um, you know, you say, well, you know, it just gives more people a chance to, I guess, win the title who who might more teams a chance to win the title who might not be as good, but who are good for a short period of time towards the end of the year, which is kind of what baseball's become. You talk about two seasons, 
Um, there's a, you know, there's a regular season that's super long and then there's a playoffs that's more like a, you know, I don't want to say like a college season, but it's kind of, it has that intensity, right? Where like, if you lose yeah. a game or two now, all well, that, that's, that's what done. we got now, right? We got the, we got a college season now. You know? Right. Absolutely. Uh, and, and it's, and it's fun and you know, it makes every game more intense and, uh, we both like college baseball. I, I, I miss college baseball quite a lot actually. Yeah. 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 So it, it'll be fun. Last thing on major league baseball for you. Do you like the new extra training rules? Yeah, you know, it's um again, I like weird stuff because all like I don't mind like let's get weird with the season length, let's get weird with extra inning rules, let's see what people do with them, especially in a year like this where it doesn't have to be a permanent change, right? Like we can play with it, we can experiment with stuff. I would, you know, I, there's probably other things I wouldn't mind seeing um, you know, experimented with in terms of rules about, you know, I, I know they're doing like pitchers have to be there's all kinds of rules about how long pitchers, you know, have to be out there that people talk about and stuff like that too. So I, I don't mind it. Um, I think it's cool. I think it's fine. I think, um, you know, I think anything weird and, and interesting could be, <laughs> can be useful. I, I, I am, um, I am hopeful that we get like a full 60 games to see how all this stuff uh, plays out because I think that's enough of a sample size to see how, how people will react to some of this stuff, right? Um, if we only get 30 games and then the season gets halted or something, I don't know that we'll ever have a uh, a full, like, um, I don't know, consensus about how any of this stuff works. But so far, so good with the extra innings stuff. There's a, one of the Dodgers-Astros games won extra innings, and that was fun. Yeah. Uh, two, two, uh, a leadoff two-run homer to end it. Um, <laughs> uh, you mentioned, you know, I, I have you on, so I should talk some Big West with you, too. Yeah, that's um, Fall sports being postponed yeah. any thought on that any ripple effects and i know cal Poly doesn't get affected with regard to football but other sports well, obviously are, are affected a lot of fcs conferences i think there's up to six or eight now that have canceled their fall seasons who are looking to maybe push back to the spring so i mean i wouldn't be surprised if the big sky followed suit but we'll see how it goes um you know um it's interesting in the big West because it's mostly in one state. And so you thought maybe they could have pulled off a conference schedule, um, you know, a conference only schedule, but there's just so much logistics involved in that. And there's still travel to Davis. There's still travel for other teams up to slow. There's still travel for Cal Poly down to LA. And if you're talking about bringing, you know, athletes from here down to LA in this time, um, you know, given everything that's going around, I just don't know how you could justify that. Right. So um, it's probably the decision that you thought was going to happen a month ago. Um, they were just waiting to see if any kind of miracle would happen with the numbers. The miracle didn't happen, I don't think. Not that I have any inside information, but you know, I think there was there was chatter of uh, of stuff maybe being postponed, obviously for a long time, and uh, and now you kind of see that happening. Um, you know, kind of ramifications or ripple effects. You know, for me as a photographer, I'm bummed, but. I also think that the spring season could be really interesting. And I was talking to some, you know, I was talking to some people about, you know, what, what would it look like for, um, for there to be like volleyball? I mean, Cal Poly has got a, one of the best big West volleyball teams, volleyball, baseball, basketball, and football potentially all happening during the same week in March or something. Right. Like, right. And, and you have home events of all four of those games in three in three days or something like that. Right. So you have a, you, know, you might have a volleyball game or a, you know, I don't know. You could have a soccer game Thursday. You could have a baseball and basketball game Friday night. You could have a football 
and basketball game Saturday, and you could have another soccer game on Sunday, um, you know, and, and you, you'd need, you know, multiple people to cover all that. And, you know, from an athletic department perspective, I can't imagine the kind of fire drill that that would be, you know, in terms of running around and trying to figure, figure out, um, what they're going to be doing, um, you know, in any kind of a place, but, um, you know, just to cover the, the scorekeeping <laughs> of all yeah, no, I mean, all the staffing, once, right? yeah, people forget about that is, you know, a lot of these, you know, people don't realize how athletics run basically runs on interns largely, especially at a big West school. And so that, that'll be interesting, particularly because you guys have the football going on up there in San Luis Obispo. Um, before yeah. I let you go, and it's Owen Maine from Fansmanship. You can follow him on Twitter at, at Fansmanship, and you can go to the Fansmanship yeah. website. There's great work. One of the great photographers of our generation um, in, in, terms of big, in terms of Big West in terms of Big West sports. I love your work. I love your work. I'm a fan. Thanks, so, thanks, thanks. Um, yeah. your, your alma mater, UCSD, joining the Big West, it's going to be delayed a little bit. Are yeah. you excited? Wait, are you how, how excited were you? And now I know it's kind of been tapered a little bit, but that's got to be exciting. Yeah. You know, you yeah, were a student there. There was talk when you were a student, and now they're finally joining big, the Big West. I think my freshman year at UCSD was actually Earl Edwards' first year there. Um, and so uh, athletic director, time, I, athletic, athletic director at UCSD, yeah, Earl Edwards, and um, uh, whose son was a decorated soccer player, actually. Um, but uh, uh, Earl, you know, uh, helped oversee the transition from Division Two to Division One, kind of at the same time that I think like UCR and UC Davis, kind of in that same time frame, went from, or excuse me, Division Three, Division Two, at the same time that UC Davis and UCR went from Division Two into the Big West, right? Um, and so you saw kind of a, a transition happening, you know, throughout a number of UC schools at that time. You know, UCSD is a, a big school. They, you know, being Division One always made sense. The fact that they were Division Three, you know, I mean, hell, because all I tried out for the basketball team my freshman year because they were a Division Three team, right? Like that's that's how I felt about that. There's, you know, so so. So, I mean, I think, you know, when you look at, at UCSD, I have a lot of friends there. I have uh, particularly a friend who um, who played water polo there who's in the athletic department now. And um, they're just so, you know, excited to be kind of where they belong in terms of Division One. in a lot of cases. I mean, they're going to come into this conference and um, facilities-wise and in a lot of other ways um, are are prepared, super prepared to be a Division One school. Um, in some sports, it's good for the conference, I think. In other sports, it's going to be, um, you know, a, another couple games. Um, if you're thinking about, like, baseball, for example, it's a series that, like, I don't know if a lot of, like, Fullerton and Cal Poly and Irvine really want to play San Diego, you know, UCSD when it comes to trying to get an at-large bid from the Big West Conference, you know, for a second-place team or something. I just don't know that, um, you know, playing the Tritons in three games is going to be helpful right away. Um, you know, eventually, you know, UCSD is a school that could be good at a lot of sports. Um, they already are at, and they will be at like things like women's soccer and sports like that will, will be really good to start. Um, and don't forget, you know, I, I, I have a degree from UCSD, but I also have a degree from Cal Poly. So, you know, that, that UCSD Cal Poly, uh, matchup is going to be, you know, really my wheelhouse. And I was really looking forward to going down to La Jolla and checking out the Mustangs, when they played down there and, and shooting, you know, the game up here too. And, um, and trying to get down, you know, UCSD had a big basketball game scheduled against Cal. I guess it's probably still on the schedule technically, but, um, you know, to, to open up their division one, uh, you know, time. And I was, I was really hoping to be able to get down there and check that game out either just as a fan or to even take photos at that game. Um, and I just don't know that that's a, a thing that can happen right now. And, and it's a bummer to see the excitement, 
that they were trying to build around it, um, you know, kind of be squashed by COVID on some level when it comes to fans. But um, UCSD is a great place, and um, and I do enjoy it when I go, get, you know, get to go visit. I'm I'm from San Luis Obispo, and I and I like being here. And and Cal Poly is certainly also a place that, um, you know, that I'm an alum of, and so you know, um, and and that I shoot for. Um, but but uh, I have nothing bad to say about the Tritons and and their department. And you know, um, a couple of years ago when they were trying to get to division one status when they were trying to get their people to vote on it. And when they were trying to get the big West to accept them, uh, I did a good podcast with Earl Edwards um, at the time, and he was gracious enough to do that. So, you know, I have, I have nothing but good things to say about, you know, people down there as well. And, and it is exciting. It's, you know, it's something that when you're in the middle of a, a city like San Diego and you have a great campus and a great place and you go, man, like why I remember asking why we didn't have a football team there for a minute. I mean, um, there's a great water polo team and a great water polo tradition. I think that could be something that continues to grow. And you could see a women's or men's water polo program that, you know, given division one standing and, um, funding and just status, um, you know, could continue to grow as well. Denny Harper down there, uh, with the men's team does a, does a really great job, um, and has for a long time in terms of water polo. Um, but you know, there's some, there's some different random, you know, sports at UCSD that'll be, you know, really competitive i think early on um and you know i'm i'm happy to be able to have an excuse to go visit when when polly goes on a road trip yeah and and from every indication you know basketball and baseball look like they could be competitive pretty quickly in the conference you know just in terms of the facility and and the the way they play you know my guy bryce leblanc is is, yeah yeah yeah, remax a great arena and and they have a pretty new baseball facility there as well it's not huge but i think it's appropriate for uh, you know, where they're at. And so, yeah, I mean, like I said, I'm excited to go back down there and, you know, take some different photos. They have a nice little catwalk up there um, on the edge that you can take some pictures that look kind of straight down at the hoop. So yeah, I'm, I'm excited to, to get down there and check it out. I haven't been inside a Remac in probably, I don't know, 10 years. So it'll be fun to, to go down there and check it out when we actually do get a chance to. Owen, thank you very much. We'll need to do this again very, very soon. Uh, you can get back to your, um, you know, your Geico commercial life now. So now this is this, this is a, this is an audio podcast. So for those who don't know, there's a new Geico commercial with DJ Khaled with a guy brushing his teeth. Devin, Devin is his name. And I saw this and I'm like, damn, if this guy isn't the spit and image of Owen Maine. So I take a picture. Now the guy's got like curly hair and a beard, which you don't. People will see that. And so I take a picture and send it to you, and I say, "Hey, man, what's up with the new modeling career?" And I guess, and I don't know if you were pulling my leg. You said you showed your wife, and she uh-huh. wasn't sure if that really wasn't you or not. Yeah, she said. She said, "Wait, that looks like you." I'm oh, like, good. "Yeah, okay, great." Yeah, okay. so you weren't you weren't wrong, I guess. And I guess I'll take it as but, a compliment that somebody who could be in a commercial there you go might look like me. But here's yeah. the funny thing: is then you send me. I didn't realize you had a whole life in Alaska. You know, oh, yeah. where you were like a mountain man with the long hair and the beard, and it's it's even more it's even more of a resemblance. So yeah, um, I I can do that sometimes. Um, or I I was able to do that. You know, when you when you're not on the road system, you have different rules for for shaving and grooming at work. Maybe. <laughs> Thank you, sir. Let's do it again yeah. soon. Owen Main, Championship.com. Follow yeah. him on Twitter. Go on his website. It's fantastic. Joining me now, we're going to get the Houston perspective. Rahil uh, Ramzanali from. Are you? You're not with. Are you with ESPN Houston still or no? 
No, I was unfortunately let go from ESPN Houston. So I'm just kind of doing my own thing and uh, doing some side work with ABC 13 in town. But, you know, it is what it is, man. Uh, a lot of people have gone through some, you know, bad moments in their careers in the last four months, unfortunately. And hopefully yeah. we can all rebound, man. Uh, the Raheel podcast, though, you're still doing that. Yeah. And uh, very informative stuff. Let's talk about I, – I want to bring you on to talk about the Astros. I think it was about three or four years ago I tweeted at you and I asked you, do people in Houston care about the Astros? And you said they're starting to. And then a year and a half later they, they won the World Series, which is the, the subject of this controversy. So I'm sure you've seen all the videos, the viral videos and whatnot. <laughs> What's the vibe in Houston, first about, you know, the whole Joe Kelly thing, and second about this, the Astros have been recast as the evil empire now all of a sudden? Yeah, so there's two things going on, right? Like when the report came down uh, earlier this year and the Astros were found to be guilty of cheating, the players admitted as such afterwards as well in spring training, uh, they became the bad guys. So two things happened, all right? Number one, it was... Fans started to say, oh, we're the bad guys. Yeah, it's us against the world, and we can't wait. Then the second thing happened. They started to act like really whiny fans. Like, if you're going to be the bad guys, you can't complain about every single thing written about you. Like, no disrespect to Bill Plasky, right? But what Bill Plasky writes for an L.A. audience doesn't matter. Who cares? Like, you don't need right. to quote tweet it. And just lose your mind about it, right? Like that, it just makes no sense. So the, it, there is this us against the world mentality. But I think fans are starting to figure out, like, what exactly does that mean? Because for the longest time, Houston has had this little brother issue. And sometimes rightfully so, where we don't get the right coverage because we're on the third coast. We're not on the west or east, right? So we're, we're holding it down in the dirty south. But we never get the love. We never get the coverage, right, until you win a World Series and then... What happens after that, you know, the cheating scandal and, uh, and rightfully so, you should be criticized. You should be the bad guys. But we've always had this little brother thing going on and we just can't get moved past it. Um, you know, I, I talked to another show yesterday about this and I told them, do you think the 90s Yankees and into the aughts were like complaining about every little thing written about the evil empire? No, they no. didn't care. They just, hey, that's. We are who we are. And guess what? We're going to keep winning. And this team can still win. I know Verlander's injury, it might be more severe than uh, than they're letting on. But this team is still one of the best offenses in the major. So you have a shot here. you got to act like you want to be the bad guy. You And that's my, and that's my conundrum, right? Because obviously – if they are manipulating video to steal. So now sign stealing has been in baseball since it was invented. So you don't want to complain about that. It's the electronic element that they're, they're doing. And I remember this whole thing came down on the Astros largely because they won the world series and largely because it was against the Dodgers who were very vocal against it. Even Oral Hershiser took a shot at Altuve yesterday. But to me, it reminds me a little bit of the whole steroid thing where everybody got all self-righteous and then for me, I, I wanted to explore. So, you know, I luckily was, you know, like you, we cover sports. We can talk to people. And I had guys telling me who played professional baseball, like, hey, 80% of the guys were doing it. And we were in the minor leagues. And they were telling us, you know, I had a guy come on a show with me and tell me, hey, I was in the minors with these teams. And these guys told me, 
you're either gonna you're either gonna juice up or you're gone. And he didn't juice and he was gone. And then he went to his second team and he didn't juice and he was gone. And I said, probably not very smart for you to just not, you know, if you're a minor leaguer, you're probably gonna pay attention to the guys up top. Um, the way I see it with Houston is obviously the Astros did something wrong, but two things. We don't know who else was doing it and what they were doing. And and in terms of the teams they beat with the you know the Dodgers, they beat I think the Indians and the Yankees that year too, getting to the getting to the World Series in 2017. So those teams would have a grievance. Um, and then the other part of it, and this is going to sound weird, is okay they cheated, right? Yeah. We can't prove. There's no way to prove they wouldn't have won without the stunt. You know, like maybe they wouldn't have won without the sign stealing. As we we don't know that. To me, and we'll get to the Joe Kelly thing in a second. To me, and I said this before the season, the way the way you get get back, quote unquote, get back at the Astros is you embarrass them. They win seventy games. You're up seven to one. You steal third base. You know, maybe you pimp the bat flip a little bit more when you hit the home run. To me, that's how you get back if you want to get back at the Astros. I remember I have some, you know, I grew up a Yankee fan, but I have a bunch of friends and family who are Mets fans, and I remember when Utley took out the Mets second baseman in the playoffs a few years ago, and they were all angry about what to do with Utley. I said, you know what you do to Utley? You send him home. You beat him, and you move on. And they did that. You know, it was 2015. They got the World Series. Um, So it's interesting from the fans' perspective is they want to be the bad guy, but they don't really want to wear the black hat in Houston. Yeah, and and look, here's the other part of this. Other teams were cheating, right? Like, there's no – it's not me just saying stuff. These are facts. The Red Sox – cheated two years in a row and their biggest punishment was a scout is gone for a year i think like that's why fans are upset like hey major league baseball you made an example out of us and i understand the cheating scandal was a little bit bigger but isn't it as bad when a team does it two years in a row because the red sox are fine and the red sox were found to do it again in their world series year against who the Dodgers. The Dodgers, yeah. Right. Well, and, and, and the, yeah, and the interesting thing, there's a whole, there's whole drama here. You could really so do so much drama. You could do like a Showtime series about it, because you know the Yankees complained about the Red Sox years, but I think it was 2015 or 2016 or whenever the Red Sox won, mm-hmm. they were complaining about the Red Sox doing it, and they were kind of told cease and desist. And then Carlos Beltran comes over to the Yankees, and I guarantee you, he's like, "All right, guys, this is how we do it," you know, and you mm-hmm. know, and and. You mentioned the Red Sox. So Joey Coyle lost his job. Uh, Carlos Beltran lost his job. A.J. Haynes. So there were repercussions. And I think getting getting us back to what happened on Monday night, people were upset because none of the players were punished. You know? Yeah. So let Altuve me pause here. Real quickly. Let me pause here. Cora didn't lose his job because of what was in the report. The Red Sox just got out ahead of it. Yeah. Same thing yeah. with Beltran. There was no official job. And, and even – uh, with the Astros, there were no, uh, you know, Major League Baseball didn't say you're fired. The ownership the team, did it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The teams just wanted to get good PR and try to grasp something that's left of their dignity, right? Uh, and, and with the players, I know you're going to bring this up real quickly. None of the players were suspended, but you can't suspend them because when you release the letter, and I'm saying you as Major League Baseball, Manfred said this in the letter that was put out in 17 when all so many teams are doing it that major league baseball was like we can't punish everybody so let's just put a letter out saying from here on out everyone before this you're granted immunity 
if you continue cheating, the general manager and the managers will be faced with punishment, not the players. It is up to the management team to make sure your players are not doing this. And you can't go back on that now. You know, and I'm sure the players also took some immunity deals, quote unquote, with Major League Baseball. So um, they, you know, they can't suspend them. So guess what? Players run sports. That's it right there. And baseball has the best. And I guarantee you the union was involved with this. Oh, they were for sure. No, I know for sure they were. Like it it was uh, speaking to some of the players that talked to the, the report and the commission they were granted immunity, and rightfully yeah. so, because what do you want? Do you want the facts, or do you just want to throw something out there and fans are like, oh, there's nothing there? And they made an example out of the Houston Astros, but there is some unfairness because with the Red Sox, it looks like none of the players talked and nobody got thrown under the bus. So we just kind of give them a you know, slap on the wrist, even though it's the same circumstances. That team won the World Series. That team cheated with the guy that was with the Astros the previous year and one of the guys behind the whole thing in Cora, and yet nothing happened. So if you're a Houston fan, and I'm a Houston Astros fan, you go, hey, this isn't right. Like this, And they're repeat offenders. And they get none of this. Like they lost, The Astros lost so much. Uh, is Joe Kelly going to get uh, any Christmas cards for in Houston anytime soon? They should. He should from all the sports radio people here because now you got something to talk about. Major League Baseball, ESPN, uh, Fox, uh, Fox, FS1, everyone should send him something because up until the Joe Kelly incident, what was the most exciting thing from the beginning of the season? Nothing. It was the most it was the most talking uh, talkable moment. Right. So Joe Kelly instantly brought Major League Baseball to the front of the sports conversation in, in a week where LeBron and the Lakers are about to restart and go chase a title, right? And the NBA is going to restart officially today. What's up, NBA? I love you. Best league in the world. But Joe Kelly got all these headlines for Major League Baseball, and then everyone's talking about it. People that aren't even covering the Dodgers or the Astros are now part of the conversation, and that's important for Major League Baseball. So Joe Kelly should get a card from everyone. Uh, what's the general feel with the media there? I mean, I would guess they're pretty Astro friendly in, in Houston and they kind of, you know, is there anybody who's come out, uh, vehemently and said, Hey, this is wrong. And the Astros should have, should get, you know, give the trophy back or whatever. No, no, nothing like that. But the coverage has, so there, okay. So when Jeff Luno was here, right, and you remember what happened with Brendan Taubman after the Astros beat the Yankees, he starts yelling at female media reporters, one specifically uh, about Osuna and the domestic violence case that happened right. in Toronto, right? Uh, so all that happens. Jeff Luno was not liked by many people in baseball and baseball writers. Uh, with the media, like he was always friendly to us. He's a good dude, you know, in terms of always making time for us. He was, he comes off a little arrogant, but when you, you know, when you're that guy, like, of course you're going to be a little arrogant, right? Um, AJ Hinch was beloved. Okay. Like people still, every single day we are like, Hey, is AJ Hinch going to come back next year? Uh, but Dusty Baker's contract was picked up. So he probably isn't coming back. Um, but the media, there was, you know, Allison Footer, who writes for MLB.com. She used to cover the Astros specifically, but she covers all of baseball. 
every time Osuna came into a game, she would tweet out the domestic violence phone number. So there was, you know, some criticism from the media. And I think it all started with the Osuna trade uh, because 17, it was the most beloved team in Houston history, more beloved than Hakeem and the Rockets because of what happened with the Astros and Hurricane Harvey, right? Our city went through a, a destructive hurricane. A lot of fans lost their homes. Heck, if you didn't know somebody that lost their home in Hurricane Harvey, then you just don't know people in Houston. Um, but it I, I want to give I want to yeah. give you props yeah. for going around the city of Houston and volunteering yeah, and getting stuff going. And I, I I I you know I said that on Twitter, and you're like, hey man, it's just it's what you do. It's what you need to do. Yeah, and dude. Houston, so so you didn't just you didn't just tweet it. You lived it. I want to give you that credit. Thank you, man. And, and look, we were lucky enough that our house uh, it got close to getting flooded in. We had to evacuate. But when we got back, for you know whoever was watching us, man, thank you from above. I appreciate it. Nothing happened to us. So, you know, I felt like I need to pay it forward, you know, and, and, and we, we were also lucky enough to go around and help. Right. Like we had the time and all that. So but the one thing, you know, at the end of the day, uh, no matter if you lost your house, if you were out volunteering all day long, the one thing we all did together in Houston after that, our escape for three hours was watching the Astros. And when they made that run. I don't care if they were cheating. Like, I, I, I know it sounds horrible, but I don't care if they were cheating because that team united the whole city and it got us through a, a tough moment. We had something to celebrate for for a while there. Right. So it's a beloved team. And, and no matter what happens, like these guys, Altuve is going to be beloved. George Springer is going to be beloved. Carlos Correa uh, forever. Right. For what they did. Justin Verlander. So. It's it's part of it, man. It sucks. And, you know, the way we deal with it is just other teams were cheating. Like, for, for sure, they were cheating that year. It's yeah. just the Astros are so arrogant, and they kept doing it after the letter, you know. And, and that's going to ruin it. And people forget. Like, you know, remember Carlos Correa in spring training laid it all out for Dodgers fans. Hey, why did we win on the road? We weren't cheating on the road. Where was game seven? Can somebody remind me where game seven was? Yeah, yeah, I believe yeah, it was yeah. in L.A., right? So, like, you you still had to go win games, and they did it. And I think they're still going to be a good team. The, the core is awesome. We saw what they did last year. They weren't cheating last year. There was no evidence in that same report that Manfred put out where they were cheating in 17. They said they found zero evidence, no buzzers or anything. So if you believe one part of the report, you can't not believe the other part, okay? That's so, fair. You know, and they backed it up. They were They were one pitch away from potentially winning the World Series. If that strike, uh, that changeup is called the strike that Granky threw, then they probably get out of that. And they are they are your World Series champions. The the main thing that I'm looking at with the Astros is a lot of people were doing a lot of talking about, you know, we should we should vacate the title, this, that, the other. I'm like, wait a minute. So now if Houston goes and wins now, but let's say they win this year. You know what does that do to all these conspiracy theories that are that are intertwined? And that's you know, and that's somebody I forget who bought it up years ago. We're talking about the whole steroid thing. Somebody made the point of okay, if it helps you so much, why didn't everybody all of a sudden become Barry Bonds, Alex Rodriguez? You know, there were guys who had you know one year where they were really good or two a two year run. But you know, the McGuire's and the Rodriguez's and the Bonds, yeah, sure they used you know enhancing and obviously helped them, but they were pretty good to begin with. And I'd make the same argument with the Astros is that it's a pretty it's a pretty darn good ball club to begin yeah. with. 
and the enhancement. Yeah, the, the the so that that's what I'm saying is now we're not going to see it because they're not going to play a full season. But I'm like, all right, if they play 2020 and win 70 games, we'll know it's fraudulent. But I, I don't think anybody who really knows baseball. Yeah thought they'd win 70 games. I, they, they'd, you know, everybody, I think, pretty much picked them as contenders. Yeah, but, but like you move forward to 18, right? The year after cheating scandal, the report said that they tried it out, but it, for the first like few for, for the first few games and it didn't work out. Also, the masterminds behind it were no longer in that clubhouse, right? Beltran's gone, Cora is gone. Yeah. Which let's talk about the Red Sox for a second. They went from a team that was okay. They were a playoff team to winning it and winning 107 games or 108 games and just rolling through the playoff. I mean, that was a great team. And what happened last year with pretty much the same roster, same nucleus, they didn't even make the playoffs. So there's one example of when you stop cheating, what happens? And we see it. Um, So there's a lot to unpack with the cheating and how many teams are doing it. And I think one of the reasons why Major League Baseball didn't strip them of the title is because of that letter that Manfred sent out during the season because so many teams are doing it. Like, you can't, it, it would just start, it, it would unleash a lot of things that baseball doesn't want. Instead, what they did, you keep the title, but you're made an example. It's, it's interesting you bring that up because I've, you know, covering college baseball, I was told, hey, there are college teams that do it, and their college teams have been doing it for years, and the video. You know, the video element is different from, you know, place to place where you go. So obviously other teams have more – some teams have a more of an advantage than other teams, whereas in baseball, it's still pretty even. And to me, the solution was real simple. Just get all the video out. Get like yeah. – you know, like, you, you know, get all the video out of the club out. I mean, you, you, you created the beast on your own by, you know, going to the replay. Now you have video on every – of course teams are going to try to figure figure things out. And then the, the other the, the other part of it that I was – I was reading an article today about – a manager talking about spitballs, you know. I mean, this is celebrated. This is gamesmanship. You know, Gaylord Perry's in the Hall of Fame. That was his thing. Uh, so it, there's a lot of layers to this. People want to make it a very simplistic thing. Astros bad, you know, boom, boom, boom. But, I, I, you know, I listen, I, I grew up like my favorite manager as a kid was Billy Martin. And he was always looking for that kind of thing. He was always waiting for that thing. As my childhood is traumatized by the Pine Tar game, when they caught George Brett cheating, he was called out. And then, oh, no, it's not It's not really that bad. He wasn't cheating that bad, so we'll give him the home run back. So I'm scarred by that memory. But, you know, I've, I've grown up all right. Uh, it's all baseball is, baseball's history is built on gaining an advantage you call it cheating i say gaining an advantage right? gamesmanship like yeah gamesmanship. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. what it is that is yeah. baseball it's such a hard sport that you try to figure it out from the little league levels like i have people in my mentions daily going oh yeah we used to try to steal signs in little league seven-year-old baseball come on yeah. Yeah. that is baseball that's part of it the astros made the critical mistake of not stopping when other teams did, allegedly, right? Like, because the technology was being used by the Yankees and Red Sox as well. Yeah, among uh, others, yeah. you know. And that's the whole thing is, like, when, when this whole thing broke, the Dodger fans were really vocal and the Yankee fans were really silent. And kind of between us, we're like, well, hell, we. I hope our guys were doing this. If it was that easy, I hope yeah. our guys were at least trying to do something like that, you know. Um before, before I go, thanks again for the time, Rahil Ramazanali, formerly of ESPN Houston. He's got his great podcast, and uh, it's really always very entertaining. Um, 
So with regard to the sports scene in Houston now, so the Rockets back, um, we, what's the hierarchy now between the Astros, the Rockets, and the Texans? I'd imagine the Texans are kind of, they're, they're the alpha dogs still. No, I would say it's Astros one still, Texans huh. two, Rockets three. I, I tell no you, love like, for the Rockets, huh? Huh? It, no it, love for the Rockets. Rockets. There's so much disappointment, right? Like, yeah. hey, James, can we can we get to the finals? You know, we want to get to the finals. The Astros won it all, just you know, did. In, yeah. in 2017, and still fresh. Everything we talked about. So th- there's a renewed passion for the Houston Astros. The Texans have let down fans so much. They lost. They got blown out in Kansas City, and they they there was a run. A 51 to seven run. They lost 51 to seven after they got off to a hot start, right? And it's like we have a franchise quarterback, but until you get rid of Bill O'Brien, fans aren't going to be into it. And I know the NFL is king and all that, but I'm just telling you from a passion standpoint, it's Astros one, Texans two, Rockets three. So Bill O'Brien, not there. Houston is not in love with him. He is not beloved in Houston. Not wow. at all. In fact, it's the it's the opposite. It's the losses, continual playoff failures. I mean, they. they but he gets you. He gets you to the playoffs, though. Yeah, they he get. That's you. great. Thank you for getting me there. But what are we gonna do when we get here? Because every time you do get there, you look like you're totally ill prepared. Whether it be the Kansas City game the first time, uh, the the Colts game where you lose at home in the wild card. They should have lost the first game of the playoffs last year as well against Buffalo if Deshaun doesn't make a miraculous play. So it's like every single year you look underprepared and then they get blasted by the Chiefs and then he trades Hopkins and you go, what? Like, why why am I rooting for this team? You know, you wasted J.J. Watt's prime years. You wasted Andre Johnson's prime years. And now it looks like if Deshaun signs signs a long-term deal – you're going to waste another prime prime years of a player. Like, it's just unheard of. Who do they want? Who would they want to replace Bill? Is there, is there a guy they want in Houston? I think the hot name for everyone is uh, Biennemi, right, from Kansas City. Like, everybody right, right. wants him. So, but, no, like Lincoln Riley, too, right? Yeah. Lincoln Riley was more for the Cowboys. Like, that was that was a hot name because Oklahoma's right there and uh, Jerry's infatuation with him. But – uh, it, to me, like if you could have made a move, uh, it would be uh, be enemy. Um, and then, uh, the, so the what's the what's the what does James Harden have to do to get the love? He's got to get to the finals, yeah. basically. He has to not only yeah, like I guess getting to the finals would be nice, but you got to win it. You need we need a championship, right? To like really be on board. And there's James Harden lovers in the city. We call them Red Rowdies. That's their nickname. <laughs> and they will always back James Harden, and that's fine. Like that, you're gonna back your guy, and I love that. You're supposed to, um, but he's just had too many failures and moments in the playoffs where you go, I don't know if he's the guy. And maybe with Russell Westbrook, they, they can get over the hump. But man, you know, both LA teams look serious this year. And then if you do get out of the West, you've got Milwaukee, which is a relentless team. They've got some dogs on that team, of course, led by Giannis. So it's going to be a tough year, man. But this is the freshest James Harden you'll see because yeah. because of the pandemic. I mean, it'll be the freshest LeBron, freshest Kawhi, all of that. But James has a history of burning out in the playoffs. Even though he puts up good numbers, he does run out of steam. Uh, so, you know, this will be a fresh uh, James Harden. I love Russell Westbrook. He's my favorite player in the league before he became a Rocket. 
So I'm excited to see him and like be on board. I love Covington, PJ Tucker. Shout out to my Texas Longhorns, Big 12 Player of the Year, PJ Tucker. Um, so I, I'm excited for him, but man, they have to win a title. They have to. Yeah, it was said. It was said for a while. You were the Mo Bamba of uh, Texas talk radio. Let's talk about the horns, the Longhorns. Um, the little, the, the the duality of the football, the basketball. Uh, are you excited about the 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 horns in the Big Twelve? Like, what's what's the perspective there in Austin? This is uh, for Tom Herman. This is his best shot at making the Final Four. Uh, of being in contention, this is his best shot because Oklahoma is going to get a new quarterback. Um, you have a senior quarterback in Sam Ellinger, who is a Heisman contender, who is like he embodies everything about the program. I want him to win so badly. Sam is just he's that guy, man, like you root for him. He has his flaws, but that kid is amazing. Um, your your weapons uh, across the board on offense. This is the best you've ever had. Right. You've got some freaks on offense. You've got uh, stud recruits coming in. Your schedule works out favorably if there is a college football season. Right. Yeah. You're going to LSU with with 25 percent fans. If any fans, that game becomes significantly easier if they play that one. There's you know, there's still rumors about moving that game back because it's such um, it's such a marquee game for both franchises or both programs that you want fans there. I was in attendance for LSU Texas in Austin and the atmosphere felt like a championship game. Uh, so, you know, if that game happens with no fans, it's not as intense and LSU lost 90% of their team. So again, like it's an easy game already. In my opinion, uh, big 12 works out. You've got some, you know, relatively easy games on the road. Has the Big 12, have they said they're going to play just the league schedule? Nothing or, yet. Yeah, okay, I so they're, they're still... Any, yeah, they're still kind of trying to figure it out right now. Uh, the latest news from Texas was they're going to have 25% capacity with fans. I, I think that number goes down to zero, honestly, by game time because of what's happening on the campus right now and the students aren't even back. Uh, you know, they had the most COVID-19 cases with students and granted, that data was collected across, you know, across uh, where all the students are, not on campus. So um, if students do come back, if college students, you know, they're not going to respect protocols, as we can no. see already. right? <laughs> yeah. So I, I don't know what happens in terms of uh, uh, of the actual attendance. But, man, uh, this is going to be interesting. I, I don't I don't see how this is going to happen with football, with college football, because this you're. You're going to price out a lot of teams, right? Like even in the Big 12, testing for all these players on a daily basis or every other day, whatever it is, it's going to be expensive. Last thing before I let you go, and thanks again for the time. um, Give me your – the XFL, on-field reporter for the Roughnecks. How did that go, and were you disappointed, obviously, when, when the thing ended? Bro, I, I I'm telling you, man. Like you can relate because your uh, your season. Like I mean, you really you get to work in April, right? Like March, April, with everything that you do. Um, and, and unfortunately, you had to sit out a few seasons here, and and it sucks. But I think I'm the only man in America to lose two public jobs during the pandemic because mm-hmm. I lost the Roughnecks gig. As you mentioned, I was their sideline reporter for the stadium, and then I lost my show on ESPN. I was let go. But it was 
the coolest atmosphere, man. I like I can't even put it into words how unique it was because the by the third game when uh, when things were shut down, right? It was on the seventh, March seventh, and then everything got shut down the following week. Um, the Roughnecks attendance went up every single week. We had a home game. The fans, it was so loud that on my Apple Watch, I got multiple hearing notifications. You know, it tells you like, hey, you're in a oh, really wow. loud environment. You should you should think about leaving here. But uh, it routinely crossed that 20 decibel mark. Man, it was so much fun. The final game, you know, I, I, I look back and it probably wasn't the smartest decision, but I crowd surfed in a you know in a pre-pandemic society like that probably wasn't <laughs> smart but uh man the fans are great and i still get kind messages all the time it was so cool the atmosphere was great the players were really nice i would interview them literally in the like during the game yeah on the yeah no. on the last like the tv interviews were cool uh shout out to espn and fs1 and all them but I, like my interviews were like the other players could hear it. And one of the cool things that uh, happened was before the season started, we had a dress rehearsal. So there were some preseason games that were played uh, on closed television. Right. So they had all the trucks. We were running through our reps and I was the only sideline reporter from all the teams. So I did every single game for every team. And, uh, you know, like Vince McMahon is there, Shane is there, all these guys, right? And like I'm getting feedback from my managers who's they're getting it from them. And they had the overtime rule. Are you familiar with the XFL overtime rule? What it was I'm not. I am not. Yes, no. it was soccer style. So their plan was it's a shootout style. You get the ball uh, at the five yard line and you try to score best of five. And their initial, like, so they're trying out different camera shots. One of them was, both teams are on the field, separated by 10 yards uh, on the field. So, you know, like the play is ahead of us. One team is on the left. One team is on the right. There's a little tunnel that I could walk through and and get like sounds and players. And it was the L.A. team. And I think Houston was playing. So I interviewed one of the Houston players and one of the L.A. players heard it. And they like literally I'm in between. They're starting to like fight. Because he said something over this loudspeaker. Like, you can hear everything. So wow. it was intense, bro. It was so much fun. Uh, I, You know, like, luckily the Roughnecks were good. So that made it a lot more fun. And the interviews were easy to do. And uh, the players were awesome. Coaches were awesome. The entire team, man, like, so many people lost their job because of the rough, uh, because of the XFL folding. So my heart breaks for them, man. And, you know, it was just a, it was a great memory. And I, and I hope I get to do it again for another team. Hey, man, I appreciate it. I'm sure things will turn around. We'll get sports back yeah. and things will get clicking. And, uh, you know, you can go across the street to the, the competition in Houston. But, uh, Rahil Rums and Ali, thank you so much. Talking to little Astros, and I had to get you on about the, your, your Longhorns and, uh, and the Texans as well. Uh, thanks for joining us. Appreciate and it. Absolutely. Maybe 2021 is a year we finally meet in person. All right. Uh, yeah, I have I have a bunch of family in Texas now, so nobody in Houston anymore, but like Dallas and San Antonio and Austin. So we'll figure it out. Maybe I'll I'll meet you for a for a Longhorns game if they if they have them. Let's do it, man. All right, have a good one. Right. Thank you.
And Pellegrino joins me, and he's a very important man because for a variety of reasons. Dan, I have you with me today because a couple of reasons. You are the voice of rationality. You are a Padres fan. So I want you to weigh in on the uh, on the whole thing with uh, Joe Kelly. You've played professional baseball, so there's some perspective uh, that I'd like from there. And then obviously you you played with and you caught Joe Kelly, so it, it's, it's all there. Let's start with sign stealing, okay? Where does Dan Pellegrino stand on sign stealing? Have you ever stolen signs? Have you ever had signs stolen from you? Have you ever caught somebody stealing signs? Take me through that both in college and as a professional. Hey, yeah. Now, first, thanks for having me, Gasol. Uh, secondly, it's it's a great question. So, and and there's it's more than just a yes or no answer, right? Yeah, so of course. Of I course. think you know. I I think that there's an element to the game of baseball that it, it, there's something beautiful about it, right? Because when you really get into the nitty nitty gritty of the strategy of baseball, right? Stein stealing it, it in itself is is a big part of that, right? And you can gain a significant advantage over an opponent. And in my opinion, uh, uh, an advantage that's within the, the rules of the game, if you're effectively able to anticipate or, you know, uh, forecast, plan ahead or what have you for, for what the other team's trying to do, right? Now, now granted, the, the modern game has changed a ton in that, uh, we don't see nearly as much strategical baseball, small ball, hit and run, bunting, right? We've been over that mm-hmm. before, but but it, but in my opinion, sign stealing in itself is not is not you know against any moral law. I actually so it's not that, cheating to steal right. signs, Dan. I don't. It's not I cheating. Don't, okay. I don't think so, but but I will say this: there is a there is a a caveat because what the what the Red Sox and the Astros have done over the last couple of years, and I'm sure they weren't isolated incidents in terms of just those two teams, that crosses the line for me because now you're using technology. It's Bill Belichick, Patriots-type stuff where you're recording, right, and using it. It's not, It's not okay, I'm using the human brain and even recording it and looking at their signs and stealing it real time. Like, even that is kind of a gray area for me. It's literally real-time transmission of, uh, you know, being recorded in a game, if that makes sense. So if you're reviewing a, a sign, signs on film, you, you know, pre-game, but you, but you keep the technology out of it and then you steal them, that's something because I think that's a strategy in itself to have to, you know, an opponent needs to be able to be fluid with their signs and change it based on knowing if the other team has it or not. So that's kind of yeah. where I'm at with it. Yeah, no, it, it's great. It's great intrigue. It's great espionage, you know. It's like going back to those old World War II movies. Uh, but let, let's get – because you coach now. You coach kids. How much of an advantage is it for Dan Pellegrino to know what pitch is coming? I, I will tell you, especially – even more so, Gasol, in the youth game, right. in my opinion, that I coach, right? Because I, I, I do things a little – Okay, I'm very old school mentality in terms of, uh, you know, what I expect out of my players. And, and, you know, you see so many younger players these days. It's, it's all about the show and the flash. And how can I, how can I get likes on Twitter, right? But what I, what I really try to teach when I'm coaching these kids is the, the, the fundamentals of baseball. Like I asked my team the other day, hey, how many home runs have we hit in the last six months as a team? And the answer was like three. And I said, okay, then why would we not all learn how to bunt and sacrifice 
and, and move guys along. Like play play the game the real way, right? So they see these guys on TV that hit 220 and 45 home runs and strike out 250 times. That's not that's not the way that you win ball games. Definitely at the college level, you know. But at the pro ball game, it's a, it's completely different. But with that said, you know it's a huge advantage because there are there are hitters at the in the youth game that can't they can't make adjustments the way that older players can right so if i know that a certain kid can't hit the ball opposite field and he's a right-handed hitter i literally put three infielders on the left side of the, the infield and what that even what that does mentally to a to a middle school turning high school kid right is it's not really fair and it kind of fires my kids up too so it's a little advantage there so i have some fun with it but um, yeah, I mean, it's a huge advantage to know what's coming, to know what they're, the other team's trying to do offensively, all of that type of stuff. So, Well, well but let me ask you, I, I, and I, I get it. I mean, obviously there is an advantage, but, you know, Trevor Bauer did the thing in spring training where he tipped all his pitches. And people hit Trevor Bauer about where they'd normally hit. And he was actively tipping pitches to the opposing hitter. Now, and I get it, you know, in a key situation – if you know which pitch is a fastball and you're sitting on the fastball, that's obviously an advantage. But if somebody has a wipeout slider and you know it's coming, how much of an advantage is that? Because that thing is wicked and it's filthy. I was joking with one of the Highlanders, Andre Granillo. And I don't know if you've seen Andre pitch, Dan. He has the filthiest cutter slider deal. It's just you don't know where he – I don't think he knows where it's going. It looks right? really good and then it just kind of falls off the table – and I, I don't know if I've had this discussion with you. I've had this discussion with people about, you know, some I, I didn't bring it up. Somebody else brought this up about the PEDs and whatnot. And you can argue about PEDs, but somebody brought up a great point. It's like if PEDs are as easy as they as they're being, you know, told to use, if the explanation is as simple as it goes, why isn't everybody a Rod? Why isn't everybody Barry Bonds? You know, why right. didn't everybody become McGuire? You know. But anyway, getting back to our sign stealing thing. Um, Address that. I mean, if it is 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 knowing the pitch going to turn an average college player into Chris Bryant? So the so the answer is absolutely and unequivocally not. Okay, which in in a lot of people's minds, you know, I think that okay, I, I see just a lot of the public reaction to what the Astros did, and I just use them because they're the the most yeah. egregious no. that got caught, right? So, so yeah. And what I hear a lot from the, the public, you know, kind of the what I hear a lot from the public is or the perception from the public is, well, Altuve wouldn't have been MVP. It would have been Aaron Judge. Right. I don't think that you can you can unequivocally say that, in my opinion, because because, the, you know, it, it exactly what you said in the, the relationship with the PEDs. Right. It doesn't hitting is hard. It's the hardest thing to do in my opinion, in professional sports, in any sport, yeah. okay? And you're a Hall of Famer if you six, if you fail 10 times. So tell me what else in sports or in life you can fail 7 out of 10 times and be a Hall of Famer. So so that's always kind of been my stance. But, but so th- there is an advantage, yes, but it, same thing with pitching in the Trevor Bauer scenario that you brought up. A great pitch is a great – and Coach Chode, actually, I just talked to him a couple of days ago, too funny, but he actually always used to say this. Great pitch is a great pitch is a great pitch. If you have a great slider like the, the Highlander you are talking about and you yeah. locate it correctly and it's thrown in the right count with conviction, it ain't going to get hit, right? And, and vice versa for 
you know, a hitter. If you're a hitter, you got to have – and you're a good hitter because Altuve is a good hitter even when he knows it's not coming. He hasn't known it his whole career, right? So, so uh, you know, if you know if, – if, if you're a great hitter, you're going to get your hits on mistakes, right? You just are because that's what great hitters do. So I want to I want to share something with you, Gasol, a little perspective of in that was in 2017 that right when when all of this stuff was really going down. And I remember the specific at bat, right, that you've seen over and over again. Now it was the walk off that that Altuve hit. Right. And Chapman's on the mound. He's throwing he's throwing a million miles an hour. Right. He's throwing one hundred and five miles an hour or something with the juiced up guns. Right. And. How you first of all, you can't even see the ball when the guy's throwing 105 miles an hour. He drops at 80, like a like a 93 mile an hour slider up in up in uh Altuve's eyes, and he, Altuve hits it over the train tracks. Okay, you don't do that if you don't know it's coming. Okay, okay. so that that maybe but maybe that's one instance. It just no, no, happened it, to be magnified well, it, in a huge moment, right? I'm glad, I'm glad you brought that up because when all this came out, there was the move to. We need to vacate the 2017 World Series. And there's even a, the city council of L.A. was saying the Dodgers should really be the champions. And, you know, being growing up a Yankee fan, you know, I was talking to my Yankee, you know, friends who luckily weren't as vocal about it. I said, listen, I mean, I get it. You know, uh, Chapman throws two pitches. He throws a fastball and he throws a slider. So you're already at 50-50. And I get it. You know, the slider, if you know it's coming, it's a little different. But the other part of it is. They lost – there were two games in that series. The Yankees lost 2-1. to one. So that wasn't about the Astros hitting. That was about pitching. They couldn't hit Verlander. And uh, Lance McCullers had a, had a great uh, – you know, uh, Charlie, Charlie Morton and Lance McCullers pitched well. But it was funny, you know, and I'll bring up – you know, brought up Nathan Cho. Doug Smith told me a great story where Doug Smith was moderating a discussion between uh, Don Mattingly and Tony Gwynn. Okay. And, and, you know, Matt was a left-hand hitter like Coach, like Coach Smith was. And they were talking about what do you look for? How, you know, and Tony Gwynn apparently said he didn't guess at all. And you're a Padres fan. So you probably knew this growing up. That right. he, it was all hand-eye because he grew yeah. up playing video games and, and, you know, and hitting. And he would do all hand-eye. Whereas Matt said, you know, when I see a lefty, I'm looking slider adjusting the fastball. Now, that didn't really mean a whole lot to me until Doug explained that, you know, to adjust from slider to fastball, that is pilot-like reflexes you need to have to be able to right. do that, you know. Right, uh, and early pilot, early yeah. pitch recognition too, right? I mean, I think I think you, you you hit it right on the head. There's there's a lot of hitters in the big leagues right now, and I think it becomes it's more and more prevalent where where they're going to go up to an at bat, whatever at bat, depending on the situation, depending on the pitcher, and they're going to look for one pitch. Like they might they might look for until if they don't and they're going to swing at a slider no matter what right so if they go up there they're only going to swing at sliders and if the pitcher hangs it they're going to hit it out and if not they're going to strike out right that's that's a lot of guys approach these days tony gwynn was different barry bonds was different um but but that that's a very common approach to go up to the plate and and just look for a single pitch whatever that pitch is right um you know, you you bought up with pitchers with 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 the way it works with command. You know, your your guy, one of your old teammates, Matty Andrees, had a great outing on Sunday with with the Angels. And I remember 
talking to a scout. I was up in the press box and a scout was watching him. And he's like, he said this, you know, this is, I think, Matt's sophomore or junior year. He said, hey, that guy's going to go somewhere just because of his command. You know, he doesn't throw 95, 97. He may, you know, he may get the velocity up. But I watch a guy with command and I see, and then, you know, obviously we talked earlier about that, the game, you know, the, the 10 inning shutout game he threw against Long Beach, um, how pitchers do, do command it. Um, do you coach now that you coach, do you coach, how do you coach hitting? Do you coach kids to guess or do you coach process and, 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 uh, approach the way they do it as a more co- kind of a college, college, uh, philosophy? Yeah, definitely more college philosophy and, and the reason, and there's a specific reason for that. Right. And it's because, you know, I, I tell the parents all this all the time. And so much of why I coach travel ball isn't to get these kids to the big leagues. All right. Right. I mean, one in one in, I don't know, 5,000 are even going to play pro ball that I end up right. coaching. Right. So, so what, what I can coach them to do and, you know, especially, especially at that age, they're very, they're very malleable. Right. And they, and they listen, they're very coachable. Mm-hmm. So, so what I can coach them to do is have sound fundamentals and they're going to be far more successful. Right. Um, you know, teach hitting from the ground up. Right. And then once they understand how to have a sound fundamentally sweet fundamental swing that they can repeat over and over again, then we start getting into the approach. Right. So it's kind of an iterative process and we, you can't have, uh, you know, the chicken before the egg, right? You got to be able to repeat your mechanics of your swing every single time without thinking about it. And then you can get into the approach. Okay, it's 2-0, and oh, and I'm going to try to pull something because uh, that's my power side, you know, and this guy throws fastballs in 2-0. That type, that type of thinking specifically, right? But that, And I see the kids benefit. There's more kids that benefit more from that style than getting up there and guessing. You're a catcher. You were a catcher by trade. And how much did it help your hitting? Because you probably could identify the pitch out of the hand better than most guys, right? Yeah, I think what – so double-edged sword, right? Because being a catcher, you got – being a good defensive catcher and one that's effective and helps their pitching staff, right, mm-hmm. as a number one priority, you, you got to be able to think, right? So sometimes that's the – thinking is your biggest enemy uh, offensively. But as far as – as far as pitch recognition, I think it helped more, maybe not necessarily recognizing out of the hand, but just anticipating and understanding what the pitcher was trying to do to you to get you out, right? Um, so, and, and a lot of the pitch recognition stuff is is eyesight too, right? And I, I've had contacts in sixth grade. I'm not blaming on that, the reason why I hit 220 in, in college, but uh, – you know, that that's part of it, too. But I think just the, the strategy and, and, and understanding, OK, this pitcher, his bread and butter is fastball way and it's two and oh, he's going to throw me a fastball way. So that's the pitch that I'm going to really hunt right now. Right. And and that's when that's that's what really helped me be more successful at the plate uh, than anything else. So. So weigh in on what happened. You know, your old teammate, Joe Kelly, we'll talk about him in a little bit. Um Throwing some chin music to uh, Altuve to Cor- or uh, Springer to Correa, you know Dodgers and Astros getting really kind of getting into it a little bit uh, over the weekend. The Dodgers obviously coming away victorious, which is always great for them. You being a Padre fan, you're kind of in the middle of both. Uh, give me your thoughts. Yeah. Uh, oh boy. So so where do I start? Last night it's funny. USA a USA Today reporter called me and at, and and I talked to him. He asked me. He had me tell him a story about Joe Kelly. Uh, Joe is is a is a 
phenomenal, phenomenal athlete, like maybe one of the, the most athletic human beings I've ever seen, just gifted wise, right? I mean, he, he, came, he came, didn't he come to UCR as an outfielder? As an outfielder. And then the story goes that, and I wasn't there, right? But in, in 2007, this is the year before my big group got there, uh, Orozco and those folks, right? But uh, he, the story is in, in a fall inter squad, there was a ball hit off the wall. He was playing right field. He goes over and picks it up uh, barehanded and throws it on a line to home plate from the warning track at the Plex. So that. And they're like, holy cow, this guy needs to pitch. And that's, and then the rest is history and he's a millionaire. Right. Yeah, so, yeah. so, uh, that, that's, I mean, anyway, that's the story, but, um, yeah. I, and so not only is he, is he that athletic, he's got a, a, uh, he is the most competitive human being, but that I've ever seen, like he's the guy that you want on the mound in the biggest situations. Right. But he also doesn't show, that side of him all the time as you've seen like he's got quite an instagram and 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 twitter yeah. presence so he's a big joker he can keep the locker room loose he's a good he's a really good teammate to have around because you know if you're having a bad day he, he'd be the type of dude like no matter how pissed off you are he'd make you laugh you know yeah. so just because he would just do something silly so it, it's it's really crazy the dichotomy it is but there's nobody else i'd rather have on the mound in the biggest of situations than him because that that's when his competitiveness really comes out the most. And, and we saw it in the world series when he threw for the Red Sox. Right. I mean, yeah, yeah. that it, what, what a, what a, an all, all time performance that was. So we all have that one friend that would climb into a volcano to figure, you know, to learn something. Right. And Joe yep. Kelly, Joe Kelly's that guy. And I just remember him you know, he'd come up during the alumni game. He'd sit up in the booth for a couple of innings and just, yeah, the, the, you know, we, a guy, one of, one of the pitchers, one of the alumni pitchers gave up a single, a double, a triple and a homer. He's like, Oh, that, he, he just pitched for the cycle, you know, <laughs> uh, you know, like little, little, I mean, you know, he wasn't going to throw his guy under the bus, but it, it, it was there to be said. And it was almost like there's a competition, you know, there, there's competition there. Um, I won't ask you like as a coach, but how are you at throwing at guys? Because I know, you know, throwing guys yeah. is a big – and I, me and Doug had long conversations about this. Um, you know, and I, my, when I was a kid, you know, Billy Martin was a Yankee manager uh, at, at one point, and he was really, you know, old school. And then when Torrey took over, it really changed where he wouldn't throw at guys. You know, it, there right. was a big – you know, Clemens was still with the Red Sox, and he's throwing at the Yankees. And it was – you know, talk radio was crazy because all the Yankee fans like, why don't they retaliate? Why don't they throw at Manny? Why don't they throw it at, 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 uh, at Big Poppy? And that was just Joe Torrey did not believe in that. And, right. and I think the game has changed a little bit, but obviously it didn't change, you know, in that exchange. I mean, forget the Joe Kelly for now. I know he's your guy. You're never going to throw him under the bus. But right. um, your philosophy overall, how do you feel about that? Has the game evolved past that? I mean, I think you can be a hard-nosed player without throwing at people. I, I, I Yeah. Thoughts. So, okay. Yeah, no, I, I have a very, you know, I'm I like, as you know, I'm, I'm very much a baseball traditionalist, but as <laughs> the years have gone on, I've evolved on certain things a little bit. Right. So but I, I've softened my stance on this a little bit, I think over the years. So, so here's my take is, is listen, there's, I think that there is a time and a place to what I call send a message, right. Where, and, and, and it's one of the ways that it, baseball is such a psychological game, right? And the mind is the most powerful tool that we have. So, so if you can gain an advantage mentally or psychologically over a team, but, and 
uh, you know, or you're even in a retaliation mode. If, if you're going to throw at a guy, you get one shot at doing it. You drill the guy in, in the hip or the butt with a fastball. Right. And you, and it's one of their, and, it, and, they, and it's just in a strategic spot on and it's over. Right. So that, and I think that's okay. What, what I'm not okay with is doing that and then carrying it on to the next game and the next game and the next game, right? It's like, okay, you drilled, you drilled their best player in the butt and it re- it's going to leave a bruise for two weeks and he got what he deserved. Let's move on, right? Uh, where, where, where I'm not okay with is when player safety comes into, into uh, account, right? Because the guys are throwing 101 miles an hour and – if if you're trying to throw at a guy and it's above the the neck, it's just not. A, it can ruin a guy's career. I mean, look at uh, who is it? is it? Mike Sosha that that got hammered and it was just a uh, uh, it was just a collision at the plate in one of the All Star games in the '80s, right? But was never the same after. Who was that? Was that Sosha? Oh Ray, no, Ray, Ray, it was '70s. Ray Fossey. Uh, oh, Pete, Pete Rose. Okay. Pete Rose took out Ray Fossey. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah well, they they, cha- and they change and they change they change that rule. Right, exactly, exactly. So similar type of scenario, though, right? Like that would be a scenario where you might retaliate on a team running over their catcher. Um, yeah. But it, it, but my problem with it, and I'm glad they changed the rule when they did, because I think player safety has to be first and foremost, especially in those scenarios. But but there is an element to I think you know uh, it, it's okay to drill a guy in the back if it's a specific retaliation, and then we just move on. Uh, overall, what's your feeling of the Astros? Are they are they an evil bunch of cheaters, or are they just guys who got a little bit too big for their britches and didn't stop? You know, because everybody was basically doing it. The league said, "Okay, this needs to stop," and they kept doing it because they thought they were smarter than everybody else. Where you know, I know you're a Padres fan, but where do you stand right. on the Astros, especially that 2017 team? Are they tarnished? Are they cheaters? What do you think? So I'm a I'm a really I'm. I, you're, you're going to hate me because I have a very mixed opinion about this. Uh, no, nuance is okay. We do yeah, that. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm, I'm really right on the fence but because here's, here's where I'm at. I think the Astros, that Astros team was the best team in the major leagues, regardless of, of whether they stole signs or not. I mean, if you look at, if you look at their pitching staff, if you look at their lineup, absolutely stacked, right? There's not a soft, soft spot in that lineup. And I think, I think they win the entire thing without cheating, right? So I, I think the public perception pull, pulls on, pulls on them a little bit um, because, and really, what a lot of that's driven by, and why there's so much hatred towards them, I think, is the arrogance and the way that they acted and the way they handled it after the fact, right? Where they they Altuve and Correa and they come out in public and they say they say. Uh, Oh, well, we didn't know, and it's really not that big of a deal. Well, actually, you got caught, and it is a big deal. <laughs> so, so just, listen, it, I would have had – and I did lose respect for them in that regard, right, and for the organization and the way that they handled it. They ended up doing the right thing, and I think ultimately the manager – and uh, so it was A.J. Hinch and then uh, – I forget the uh, GM's name at the moment, but um, they, they ended up getting the ax because of it, right? But it should have happened way sooner. And was it necessarily AJ's AJ's fault? No, but but he's the manager and he needs to take responsibility. But and it just should have happened way sooner. They didn't handle it well as as an organization as a whole. And that's for me what 
kind of tarnishes them in my mind more than anything else. So rather aside from, the, you know, rather than the cheating. So if people are people, okay, are people right in being upset that individual players weren't punished for that? Or was the problem is you'd have to punish too many people. Yeah. I, I just think that there's no way I, I can see people being upset. I just don't see any way to enforce it uh, with any type of consistency or any type of, fairness across the board right because uh, like i like i what we were talking about kind of on the at the onset uh, it it happens all over the board across like yeah i'm sure that everybody in the big leagues was doing it uh in some form now pr- maybe not quite as egregious but um i i wouldn't be shocked if all 32 teams were doing that so yeah. Well, it's, the funny thing is that I've talked to people since then in the last couple of years, and, you know, there are college teams that have been doing it. So, and people were telling me how the college teams are doing it, and that was just wild to me to, you know, games that I had, I had called in. They're like, no, we, you know, so-and-so figured out that these, this team was doing this, this team was doing that. Um, wow. Yeah. Uh, let's move on to okay. just some baseball in general. So, I know you're happy there's a baseball season, but how are you with kind of the way – is a 60-game season any way to evaluate? I guess the question I should ask you is, um, are you happy with a 60-game season, or you think it would have been better if they just canceled the season? Uh, it's a good question. I've gone back and forth. So I think that – okay, let me just start by saying um, I, I'm ecstatic that baseball's back on, right? Like, I, I honestly – I don't know what it was, and maybe that's just me being a baseball nut that I am, but uh, – the the it felt like the weight of the world was lifted off my shoulders when they started playing again. Okay, I, I, a couple nights ago I couldn't sleep, and what did I turn on? MLB Network. I'm watching highlights. So yeah. it, I mean, like that's just having that back and having that distraction from everything that's going on in the world right now. Right. Is is, ju- is just tremendous, and I think it's a positive for everybody, right? Not just baseball fans, because we can kind of focus on something else for a change. Um, but. As far as the 60-game season, so I would say it's better than nothing, but it's it, it really doesn't represent. Uh, now, would I, would I be just as happy if the Padres won the World Series this year? Sure, of course, yeah, right? It's yeah, been right. it's been since never. Part of part of what's difficult, I think, about managing, it, you know, even as great as these players are, managing a big league ball cup club, right? Yeah. Is how do you keep your your superstars as fresh as possible for as long as possible? And then have and still win enough to get into the playoffs, but also have them in tip top shape, best shape they've been in for the year when October hit. 16, it's 16 teams in the playoffs. Playoff. Too many? Yep. Hate it. Hey, what, what is this? Hockey? I mean, uh, NBA? Like, everybody gets a chance. Like, come on. I think the best thing that ever, that ever happened, actually, so I wasn't a fan of the two wild cards for the, the two wild cards first, but now I love it, right? Because it, look, you know, when they first changed it, I realized I didn't like it because it was something different, but now it keeps more teams in it for longer, right? And yeah, it really stinks for that first wild card team that you played 162 games, you played your butt off, and then you lose in the wild card game and you're gone. I get it, but it, it keeps the rate, the pennant race is interesting and it's still not overkill. It's still not the NHL or NBA. Well, yeah, I, I, I like it. Teams? Yeah, I mean, so I like teams? the reason I like the one game is, hey, you don't want to play that one game, win your division, you know, 
Yeah, that, that that's like a reprieve. So yeah, if you if you get injured right. or you didn't play well, okay, now you have a chance. You have a backdoor to get in. Um, uh, and I'm just like I was just wondering with that many teams, why not just have more regular season games and then keep the normal playoff format? But obviously they want to do it for t- they're losing money. The networks are losing money, and the playoff the playoff money is really big. That's why they expand the playoffs. Um, right. So, I think hey, I, Gasol, yeah. real quick, let me get you, let me get your take. So I had an off the wall idea. I wanted to get your, I want to get your take on. Okay. That's on, why I'm well, here. That's why I'm here. Yeah. Okay. And what, this is what I thought that Manfred, our buddy should have done. Okay. okay. Uh, is okay. Um, a, you know, uh, oh, I don't know. I was thinking 71 game. Um, oh, I don't know. What is six, maybe six, whatever a third of the season is regular season. Everybody mm-hmm. gets in for seating. Okay, and it's a March Madness style tournament, but you got to win your you got to beat your opponent two out of three. That's kind of fun. Everybody gets in. Everybody's in it. And let's let's, you know, do almost like College World Series. But that, I mean, it, it was way off the wall, but yeah. that was kind of my I, thought of a couple of months ago. Yeah, I want to I, I it's funny. I thought of a similar scenario. I'm like, OK, let's do something where the six division winners. OK. They get or six division winners and the two best second place teams. That eight, they're they get a buy, and then the rest of the teams can play their way in to the to the to the sixteen. And I thought there's some way to do that. We should do that. But I do want to. But again, thanks Dan Pellegrino for spending some time with. I wanted to ask you two more questions. Sure. The extra innings, the extra innings, and I, I've seen your thoughts on Twitter, and I think you and I are in agreement. What do you think about starting extra innings with a runner on second base? Hate it hate it i mean this isn't travel ball like what are we we're trying to get the games over faster I, what what's the what's the point what what can i ask what what is the main driver in rob manfred's mind that thinks that that that's a good idea because they don't want to have extensive um extra inning games for the rosters because they're playing you know i think it was 60 and 66 days and now it's going to be tighter because of the covid thing did you like the the leadoff two-run home run the other day in extra innings on in the 13th. Uh, I, I I missed it. What happened? Well, you know, the guy starts – they start with they start the extra innings with the runner on second, and somebody hits a home run. It's a leadoff two-run homer, you know. It's over, yeah. Yeah. Somebody oh, brought up another oh, another scenario. Uh, another scenario. If you're a pitcher and you're pitching a perfect game through nine and the game goes to extra innings – you lose the perfect game, right? Because they put the runner on, they give the catcher an error. You know. Wow. I, I didn't. Somebody, but somebody else brought that. that up. Yeah, yeah. Wow. But um, the other thing is you, because you're a National League guy, right? Your whole life, Padres. Yeah. What yep. do you think about Universal DH? Can't stand it. I think it takes completely takes the strategy out of out of managing a baseball game. Okay, because you're always always. A, Baseball's got a funny way of putting you in these in these pickles, right? In these scenarios where you have to make extremely difficult situ you know, situational decisions throughout the course of the game, especially in the middle innings where uh what you know, if you pull the pitcher and let him hit, it could be the difference between winning and losing. Or if you do the opposite, right? If you hit if you pinch hit for him and, and put your best pinch hitter up there uh and he hit gets in our Right. So the, 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 you know, the course of, of who wins a game and it really takes, it's unfortunate. And, and here's part of why I think it's unfortunate because of the way the game's gone with analytics, like 
AJ Preller probably, in my opinion, is probably making the lineup for Jay Stingler right now. And he yeah. and he sends the lineup down uh, to Jace, and Jace has no say in what happens. And and I'll give you an example of why here in a second, uh, based on the first weekend. But the you know, it, it's purely statistical driven, right? And it comes from a bunch of Ivy League grads. That thought school of thought. I think there's something to be said for advanced statistics. But it comes from a bunch of Ivy League grads that think the game is played on paper. And you and I know as well as any other person that knows baseball at all, it's just not. And yeah. and you, you saw us play it four years at UC Riverside, and we outperformed our talent for three of the four years consistently, right? And it's because of the, our chemistry and because of the way we all got along. And that you can't measure that. On, on a piece of paper. So I, I the, the best argument, I mean, and I'm, I'm kind of back and forth. Cause I do think analytics are useful like for my, you know, for what I do for the broadcasting side, Ron say, brought up a great point. And he said, you know, he's an old school guy. He's like, I'm an old school guy, you know? And he said, I don't mind analytics, but he does not like the fact that it shouldn't be numbers that determine whether a guy doesn't play, you know? Right. It should, right. it should, you know, and he's like, what happened to the gut feel? Okay. Yeah. This guy's two, you know, Pellegrino is two for 15 against this guy, but you know what? He, he's hitting the ball well. He's, you know, he's, you know, whatever. He's hitting 380 over his life. Let me try. I, let me tell you something. I, I don't know if I ever told you this. The one argument I ever got into with Doug Smith was over you. You remember? I don't know if you remember the scenario. <laughs> I don't know. I, I probably remember the scenario, but tell me the story. He bunt. Like, it was, I, you know, I hate bunting. You know, I'm not a big bunting guy. Like, I understand okay. there's certain situations where you bunt. He bunted. He bunted into you, and you were really struggling, you know. Uh, and and um uh and he he said, yeah, you know, I bunted because I figured they'd walk Pellegrino and this other thing. I said, but coach, and you were really struggling at the time. Like you, that was the, your senior year. I think you'd gotten off to a, like a hot start, and you had right. that like two week period where you couldn't get anything. And I'm like, yeah. He, I said, Dan was really struggling. I don't understand why you put that pressure on him. And he's like, well, I thought they're gonna walk him. I'm like. You know, and I forget who you guys were playing. It might have been Long Beach, and I'm like, Long Beach isn't gonna walk up. He's one for his last 17. You know, right? And it right. was yeah. <laughs> so you know, and I felt kind of bad. I felt kind of bad because I just got to know you. You're a good dude, you know, and everything. And just and then Doug kind of got a little weak. I mean, you know, Doug heated. Doug doesn't really get heated, heated, but he got right. a little annoyed. I think he got a little. Right. And then the next day, I said, Coach, we good? And he puts his arm around me. He's like, I'm never gonna, I'm never gonna eat your, you know, lunch. He said it a different way for having right. an opinion. That's totally cool right. for you to have an opinion, you know. Right, and, and you know I, why? You know why, Gazal? You know why he got a, that got to him a little bit because he goes, "Dang, he's got a great point." They were never gonna walk Pellegrino right there. <laughs> but here's the funny thing: I think the next it was that next you you're that home. I think you hit a home run on that next Tuesday. Got you out of okay. your slump. Okay. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah, that Tuesday, whoever cool. whoever you guys played Tuesday, you hit a home run. But okay. um. But I'll give you the I'll give you the last word here. Let's talk Padres for a second. Do yeah. you have high hopes this year for the Padres? I mean, I think they look pretty good. So, so first of all, let, let's talk about the most important thing. I love the brown uniforms. You gotta you gotta give that to them. Classic, of course. Oh, Why do they wait so long? Why do they wait so know. long? I don't know. We've gone we've we've gone through so many different sets of uniforms in the like last blue decade and, and green? a half. No, the Padres are brown yeah. and yellow. Oh, it's so good. It's so good. But but in all seriousness, this team 
has a little bit different feel about it than than teams have in the pe- I haven't felt the uh you know like I like I can feel like I'm a part of the team but I yeah. haven't seen a team kind of get along and and have this type of energy that that the Padres have put out there in years maybe since like the early 2000s and I think there is they may not win it this year they may not get to the playoffs they're going to be better though because they they you can tell there's actually a little bit of belief in there that they can do it. Like it, they would they had the old Chargers scenario, San Diego Chargers scenario going for the longest time. It was okay, well what just waiting everybody was just holding their breath until it implodes, right? Um and then sure enough it did. Like and what sticks out to me is that one the year that AJ Preller came in. Oh god, I don't know, was that 2016 or 15 or something? And he went out and got all the guys. He got Matt Kemp you got uh, Justin Upton, and the lineup was stacked, and and they're they're kind of just barely hanging in the wild card race, and then they ended up losing like ten of their next twelve, and the season was over, right? So that that seemed to be just the mentality uh, that we had, the culture that had grown on on the club for the last two decades almost. But but I I think that the right guys are there now, and it's the right mix aside from Will Myers, but the right mix that that can uh, turn this thing around. So, so I'm, I'm looking and they're fun to watch now too, which is really cool. They got a lot of talented guys. I love watching Tatis and Machado have some really good chemistry going and they're, they're incredible, incredible players. Uh, I think Hosmer is, is a nice player. I don't know if he's an $180 million player, but he's the type that plays better on T he plays up to his, to like the, you know, the level of whatever he's, he's playing with. So if you put better players around him, he's going to be better. Uh, and the list goes on. I, I, I like Grisham from Milwaukee. He's only 23. He, he's due, he was due for a fresh start after what happened in the playoffs uh, last year in the wild card game. Ball goes under his glove. Nationals go on to win the World Series, whatever, right? Good fresh start for him. He's a great athlete, too. So uh, I, I just, I'm just i looking forward to watching them uh, for the rest of the year. Hopefully we get to continue to do that. I mean, I tell you what, the, for the first time in about 10 years, people want to come to the Padres. You know, right. I mean, you, uh, Machado came, Hosmer wanted to come. So, I mean, he got a lot of money. Both those guys got a lot of money. So you spend a little bit of money and now guys kind of, you know, it's a great lifestyle. It's a great park to play. And if they ever put it, if they ever put it together, that'd be a hopping scene out there on the gas lamp. As always, sir, the pride of Poway High School, Dan Pellegrino <laughs> joins me. Talked a little baseball. I will be contacting you again. Good luck. And wish your, team, yep. wish your team the best as well. Hey, always great talking to you, Gasol. Uh, I, I love chatting with you every time we get a chance to. So have, a, have right, a great rest of your day. All right. Same here, brother. Have a great evening. Thanks. Okay.